Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Rincon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Eternal Optimist Podcast, where I'm your host, Matt Drinkon, and we're coming at you a couple times a week year-round to offer value on how you might be able to find hope and a you-can-do-it-to attitude through your challenges so you can overcome them and learn from them. Eternal Optimists, we believe that you can take the things in front of you, see it in a positive light, and learn from all the hard challenges out there. Use them to your advantage. That's what Eternal Optimism is. I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you today. Before we do, I'd encourage you to go over to social media, to Instagram or Facebook, and follow me, Matt Drink, on the account Eternal Optimist Podcast. In addition, you can check out every morning, Monday through Saturday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, a live stream on those two social media channels where I'll be offering a variety of different opportunities to learn there live every morning and start the day with some good stories. Thanks so much for checking that out. And while you're at it, please subscribe and share, rate, and review. Yeah, actually, that's a lot of things to ask. You know what? I'm going to ask it big anyways. Share, rate, and review this podcast to people you might know. I'm sure they will thank you for it. I thank you for it. Today's speaker, he said, we've got to heal ourselves first. And today, we go deep into the personal and professional ways to do just that. With my guest, Mr. Ryan Gottfriedson. Ryan is an author of two books. He's written a TEDx talk and given it. He's an expert on vertical development. He coaches us on heat experiences, those moments when you're tested and how through them, you can identify your own insecurities and do something about them. He shows us how to initiate these heat experiences and what comes up along the way. Ryan shares his personal story quite transparently and how he came to this career. Ryan is another great example of a high performer who has paused to gain self-awareness and he gained so much that his entire career evolved into a more global reach. Today, we talk about prevention versus promotion mindset. We talk about the number one priority of a vertically developed leader is to be a curator of culture. Ryan shares his very unique perspective on how to shift one's mindset and after the conversation, Ryan continues to add value by offering our listeners his assessment free of charge for those so inspired to take action on this journey today. I hope you enjoy the conversation and learn as much as I did. Without any further ado, I bring you my new friend, Mr. Ryan Gottfriedson. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. 
And with that introduction, my new friend, Ryan Gottfordson out on the West Coast. Ryan, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing awesome. I'm warmer than you are. It sounds like you said it's 31 degrees in Charlotte. And today I went for a run outside in sunny Southern California in my short sleeve shirt and my shorts and had a good time. <laughs> stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Rubbing it in. Uh, I have to pay to live here, so I get to rub it in. This is true. Yeah, this is true. I was yeah, I was thinking about that too. It's interesting because I woke up, it's 31 degrees. And one of my favorite parts of every morning is literally I get to walk the kids to the bus stop. Now, when I was growing up, I remember one time right before I got a license in ninth grade in Indiana, going to the bus stop and the bus stop was about a quarter mile from the house. So I had to walk out there. There was a snowplow that would come by, but there was no sidewalks. We're walking in the middle of the street or walking in deep snow. And it was literally just freezing freaking cold and uphill both ways yep yeah and i was carrying blocks of ice and yeah wearing spikes in my feet in any event now i get to do this and such the mindset shift of i get to do it i get to take my kids to the bus stop i get to go outside in 31 degrees i really enjoy just being with them and it's amazing how the mindset can shift as you become a student of life and as you grow and I'm looking forward to diving in deep with you on elevating your mindset, vertical development. There's so many places that you're an expert. I'd love to start and give you a deep end, throw you in right away, Ryan, and ask you to take us back to a challenge or a trauma, something that we might be able to learn from that was difficult or hard for you in the past. Yeah, and I'm happy to jump into this, and I appreciate you asking the question. But even before maybe we talk about me, let me just maybe share a couple of experiences because I think it's easy to see what I'm about to talk about in others. It's harder to see in ourselves. So I have a mindset assessment that people can take. You can go to my website, take the mindset assessment. And I got an email. I was doing a workshop with a group. And when I do a workshop with a group, they usually take the assessment in advance and I produce a collective mindset report for that group. And so we could walk through the quality of their mindsets. I get an email from one of the leaders of the group who had been dragging her feet on completing the mindset assessment. And I get this email the night before, and she sends me this scathing email. This, your mindset assessment is a bunch of crap. It is completely wrong. This is not who I am. And I could tell she was really hot. And so I just let it lie. And I woke up the next morning to another email from her, and she said, okay, last night after I sent that email, I had a conversation with my husband, and I think it would be a good thing for me to be a part of your workshop today. Wow. And it's just like, oh my goodness, you can't write the story better than this, right? So she's thinking, I've got really good mindsets. And her husband essentially says, I'm not so sure you do. And then she awakens to it and is able to do something about it. Let me give you another example. I do a decent amount of coaching with executives, and I'm meeting with the CEO, and I asked him, what drove you to start your business. And he said, to prove others wrong. And immediately I was like, that's an interesting place to come from in terms of your leadership. And later in the conversation, he got to a place where he was willing to be vulnerable. And he said, I try not to let anyone know this, but deep down, I'm a very insecure person. And what I see in this CEO is that he does have insecurities. But what he doesn't fully see is how these insecurities show up and how he operates as a leader. Because what ends up happening is he is prone to step in and micromanage whenever something goes wrong. 
because that helps him to feel less insecure in those moments. So these are a couple of examples. If it's okay, let me bring it back to myself. I think you asked one of one of the biggest challenges that I've had is one of the biggest challenges that I've had is deepening my self-awareness to the point where I could step into and identify my own limitations, mental blocks and insecurities and then do something about it. Let me give you give you a couple of examples if that's okay. One was I what I've learned is we the way that we are raised we essentially develop the mentality to survive our childhood. But the mentality to survive our childhood is probably not the same mentality that we need to have to be a successful person, leader, spouse, parent, etc. And one of the things that I was ingrained in me as a child is my parents were maybe the most frugal people I had ever met. And they had what I would call a prevention mindset. They saw that the way that you build wealth is by saving more of your pie. So they never wanted to spend any money on anything frivolous because that prevented them from building wealth. So they saw their finances as a fixed pie and they've ingrained in me, you never want to take on debt and you should never be an entrepreneur because both of those things are really risky and will eat at this financial pie. So that's how I approached adulthood. And I graduated with my undergraduate degree and PhD without taking on any student debt. And that was my mentality. What I just didn't realize at the time was in some ways this was serving me and protecting me, but in other ways that I was not aware of, it was holding me back. It was holding me back from stepping into my potential. And it wasn't until I realized that I actually, while I thought I had a good mindset, a prevention mindset, it would have been better for me to have a promotion mindset. And it wasn't until I realized that, awakened to it, that I could then do something about it. Now, was it necessarily difficult for me to change my mindset? No, it took effort. But the difficult part about that was just even getting to the place where I awakened to this idea that I was operating under a faulty mindset. The tough part is getting to even the awareness that there's even something there. I don't know what I don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you so far. Yes. Yeah. Please. And be, it's when you awaken to these things that you could do something. Let me step into this even further. So that was a pivotal moment for me. Making awakening to this and shifting from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset is what I credit to me writing my first book, Success Mindsets, which came out a few years ago, starting up my own consulting business. In order to do that, I went into debt, right? I'm now doing things that I never would have done before because I'm operating from a different mindset. And I'm also, at that same time, stepping more fully, I believe, stepping more fully into the more ideal version of myself. And I believe I'm having a greater positive impact in the world now with a more of a promotion mindset than if I still had that prevention mindset. Wow. Okay. Well, then the million dollar question or more or less, but the big question is how did you come to awaken and even figure out that there was something wrong or something that we needed to awaken to because things were going well. You had gotten the PhD, you were debt-free, you were going along nicely. How did you awaken and why did you feel the need to be awakened if that's even something you felt? Yes. And what we're talking about here is a unique form of development. What most people don't realize is there's actually two 
primary forms of development. There's what's called horizontal development. This is adding new knowledge and skills. This is the type of development we're used to. When you think about any high school or college classes, it was about learning knowledge and skills. And it's like downloading an app onto our iPad. If I take an accounting class, I'm downloading the accounting app. That allows me to do accounting things. And that's good, but we've got to ask the question, does adding an app onto our iPad improve how effectively the iPad operates as a whole? And the answer to that question is usually not. So if we want to upgrade an iPad, we've got to upgrade its internal operating system. The same thing goes for us as people. And this upgrading our own internal operating system, this is what we call vertical development. And it's a unique form of development. And this example of shifting, me shifting from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset is a literal change in my operating system. I now see the world differently. I think about it differently and I do very different things. I didn't gain necessarily new knowledge or skills. It's just the very fact that I think about it differently. And so what we're talking about is vertical development. Now you ask the question, how does, essentially, how does one vertically develop? And one of the things that we've got to recognize is that an essential part of the process is what we would call heat experiences. We have got to go through a heat experience. Now, a heat experience could be something that happens to us. I'll share with you one of mine. It could also be something that we choose to create. I'll also share another example. What precipitated this shift from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset? So I'm a professor at Cal State Fullerton at the business school, and I was there for two years. And then I decided to take a job at Gallup. So they do employee engagement and I was going to be a consultant. And to me at the time, I did take a leave of absence from the university so I could come back if I wanted to. But in my mind, this was my new career path. I was putting all of my eggs in that basket. And I spent 11 months at Gallup and it just wasn't a great fit. It wasn't working out. I felt pigeonholed into a, in a position that I really wasn't happy with. They weren't allowing me to get outside of that, to do some job crafting. And one day I'm talking to my manager and she says, look, I think we both recognize this isn't working out. I'm going to have to let you go. And I thought, oh my goodness, like I just got fired. I never thought I would ever get fired. And I just got canned. And it's what do I do? My, I was putting all of my eggs in this basket. This was going to be my career. And now it's just all wiped away. And it was in this moment that I just, by necessity, I had to regroup. This was my heat experience, getting fired. Oh my goodness. So I decided, because I had to provide for my family, is I decided I'm going to go back to the university and figure things out. And so I had a gap from about June up until the end of August, essentially where I didn't have a job until the semester started. And so I decided to dive more fully into the academic research that I had been doing previously. And this is where I said, because before I started to do research on mindsets, but I hadn't gotten very far. And so I said, for the next two months, I'm going to do a huge deep dive on mindsets. And so that's what I did. And that's where I 
learned about the difference between prevention and promotion mindsets and others like fixed and growth, closed and open, inward and outward. And what I came to learn in that is that I, out of these four different sets of mindsets that I focus on, which are just a culmination of the last 40 years of mindset research in the academic space, is I learned that my mindsets were on the negative side of the continuum. That while my mindsets were serving me in, to the degree that they were protecting me, they weren't setting me up for long-term success. So that's where my prevention mindset made me focused on how do I avoid problems, right? Who likes problems? Nobody likes problems and I didn't like problems. But at the same time, what it held me back, if all I was doing was avoiding problems, I wasn't focused on reaching goals. And I also had a fixed mindset, which meant I was more focused on not failing and looking good, which is justifiable, but that was preventing me from getting outside of my comfort zone and learning and growing. So I never wanted to try anything that was new. I never wanted to push my limits because I only wanted to do what I knew I would be successful. And that was holding me back from being more entrepreneurial, adventurous, trying new things, even though I may not be successful to begin with. So that, that was my heat experience and how I awakened, partly because of that, which then facilitated these mindset shifts. Fantastic. So the heat experience caused you to take the action to go and do the academic research on the mindset. You found the four different types. You tend to go towards the negative and avoid the problems. And so now you have been awakened. You've done the research. You're becoming very aware. What happens next when the awareness is there? That's more than half the battle, right? That's to me, when you ask that's the challenge is coming to that awareness. And don't get me wrong, people have heat experiences all the time. They don't always use those to vertically develop. And so we've got to figure out ways when we do have these heat experiences, we have got to open the door to reinventing ourselves. That's part of the key is, so it's one, recognizing, two, being open to reinventing ourselves. There's a couple other aspects about this that are much more tangible. When we see that we can improve in some way, that we have room to vertically develop, that we want to do, one of the things that we need to do is we need to become a learner. Here's the thing that I believe. We cannot be great at something until we become an expert at something. So if we want to be great with having really positive mindsets or even really positive characteristics, let's just take, for example, humility or empathy or patience, is I don't think we could ever be great in those characteristics unless we become an expert in it. So we've got to invest in our own learning and developing an expertise. So that's one aspect. Another aspect is when it comes down to the neuroscience of these things, we've got to exercise our positive mindset neural connections. So our neural connections in our mind are a lot like our muscles. The more we use them, the stronger they become. And so effectively, we've got to hit the gym for our mind. We've got to, on a regular basis, exercise and work out our positive mindset neural connections. And just like our muscles, we can't go to the gym once and expect to become strong. And so when we understand that, this is where we see so much about exercises like meditation, 
gratitude journaling, other journaling, positive self-affirmations, looking at yourself in the mirror, putting up positive sticky notes or whatever they happen to be. All of these things are scientifically proven to activate and strengthen our positive mindset neural connections. Because we don't shift our mindsets through one big grand experience. It's by consistently working them out. And so that's the idea. In fact, maybe Matt, do you mind if I give an example of that? Okay. Please do. So in this time that I went from being fired to starting up back up at the university, I met with the CEO of an organization here in Orange County, and he handed me a book. And this is the book that he handed me. It's called The Five-Minute Journal. Have you heard of The Five-Minute Journal? Yeah. I've not heard of that journal. Okay. Oh, okay. Please. He hands me this book and he says, this book is going to change your life. And outwardly, I'm very gracious. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I love books. But inwardly, I'm like, journaling? Who the hell do you think I am? There is no way I am ever going to journal. So I brought it home and I sit down at my desk. And I literally went to throw this in the trash. I'm assuming you've seen the movie Home Alone. Oh, of course. <laughs> so there's a part in the movie where there's a fight between Kevin McAllister and his cousin. And they get like all the Pepsi gets spilled everywhere. It's a big mess. And his uncle says, look what you did, you little jerk. That's one of my favorite quotes from that movie. I know. Yes. <laughs> but, but, so that's what happens. And then there's a scene later on in the movie where he, in his mind's eye, sees his uncle say, just like his head, look what you did, you little jerk. And in my mind, that's what was going on. The CEO literally popped in my mind. I could see his face and say, this book will change your life. And so I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, I'm not gonna throw it away. What I'll do is I'll give it two weeks and I'll see how it goes. And if no benefits, then I'll toss it. I've now been doing this for over four years on a daily basis. And because I felt such a significant shift. So in the five-minute journal, what you've got on a daily basis is you've got an inspirational quote up at the top. So that's great. Then in the morning, you answer three questions. They are, what are three things that you're grateful for? What are three things that would make today great? And then you fill in some self-affirmations. And then at the end of the day, you answer two questions. What are three amazing things that happened today? And how could I have made today even better? And what this was doing for me is, because with my prevention mindset at the time, essentially how I woke up every day was, how do I get through today in the most enjoyable way? That was my mentality. And I think, I think a lot of people have that mentality. After I started to do this, I'm writing in every day, what would make today great? What are three amazing things that happened today? And how could I have made today even better? I started to ask myself questions I had never asked myself, such as, how do I make today better than yesterday? How do I make this week better than last week? How do I make this year better than last year? And what this journal did for me was this was my everyday exercise for my promotion mindset. I credit this book. If you read my book, Success Mindsets, I credit this book, The Five-Minute Journal, for shifting from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset, which then went on to me writing a book, starting up my consulting business, and ultimately being here with you today, Matt, which I don't think would have happened unless I started doing the five-minute journal. Yes. I want to thank you for the story you just shared. I almost missed that. I asked you a, a question earlier that was just making the assumption that now you're awakened, and you just shared 
how you became awake. And since you went deeper, I'd love to go one step deeper. You shared that I'm going to give it two weeks. And those two weeks have led to four years. They've led to the promotion mindset. Why did you make the choice to give it two weeks? Because that was the moment to take action or to throw it away. Why did you take those two weeks? Oh, good question. One was that visual of the CEO saying this book will change your life. The other element was I was in a space where I was malleable or more malleable than before because I, because of the heat experience that I had gone through. That I was in a place where I've got to do something different. And maybe this is one of the things that I need to try. And that's ultimately actually what, when I talk about reinventing ourselves, that's the space that we need to get to is can I change? Or the attitude of I can always change and improve. Therefore, I'm willing to try new things, step outside of my comfort zone in order to elevate myself when it comes to our vertical development. Let me step into another example, because I mentioned that there's heat experiences that happen to us, like I was fired. But I also believe that we could create our own heat experiences. And I later created one for myself that I didn't anticipate. In my work, I dive into the neuroscience behind mindsets. And one of the things in that effort is I've come across the relationship between trauma and quality of mindsets, or literally the quality of the wiring in our mind. And one of the best resources that I came across was a book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And it is just a remarkable book. And in, at the end of this book, he talks about different therapy modalities for healing from past trauma. And one of the therapy modalities was a form of therapy called EMDR. It stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And it's a fairly new therapy modality, but all of the research that's coming out is essentially saying it may be the most effective therapy modality for treating trauma. And so I was really intrigued after I read that. And I'm like, at the time I was kind of like, well, I don't have any trauma in my background, but could I do it? And could it still benefit me? And so I reached out to an EMDR therapist near me and I was like, and she said, okay, even if you don't have trauma, I think it, it could just at, at least it could help you uncover some mental blocks and help you work through those. And I was like, okay, sure. So I didn't have a big reason to do this other than let's try it out. And I started engaging with her and going through this trauma therapy. And what I realized pretty early on in the process was and I just was not aware of this before. So this was another awakening moment for me is I had rather significant trauma in my childhood that I didn't recognize. So what I came to learn is not, I was never abused, right? My parents stayed married. They went to every basketball game that I ever played in. But what I came to realize is that while my parents were there for me physically, they were never there for me emotionally that I grew up being emotionally neglected. And to me, that was just, that was my normal. I just thought how I was raised is kind of how everybody was raised. And this was the first moment that I came to grips with the idea that I had trauma in my background. And what I started to see 
And this was another huge awakening moment for me is that because I was emotionally neglected at a, starting at a pretty young age, I had learned as a child that if I want my emotional needs met, I need to meet them myself. And how that has shown up for me as an adult, and it was just like the light bulb went off for me, is it explained two big blocks that I have. One is, is I am a fiercely independent person. This comes from how I was raised. And that has some pros. It also has some significant cons. One of the biggest cons is that I've actually come to realize that I have trust issues. Right? I have a hard time trusting others because I could never trust my parents to be there for me. And now that I realize this, I could see how that early childhood experiences was shaping how I operated as an adult, as an employee, as a leader, as a parent, as a spouse. And so I had something going on beneath the surface that was shaping everything, which was this past trauma. And I just wasn't aware of it. And it wasn't until I became aware of it, awakened to it, that I could then do something about it. And so I've been engaging in this trauma therapy for the last two years. And I feel like over the last two years, I've grown in the last two years more than the 15 years prior to that. It's just been a remarkable experience. What is unfortunately sad and shocking to me is we know that 70% of all adults have experienced trauma to the degree that it negatively impedes their body's nervous system. That it's literally holding them back in terms of their vertical development. We know that one in three women have been sexually abused. One in six men have been sexually abused. And this is, there's less data on neglect, but research has found that neglect, like what I experienced, is as bad, if not worse, on our body's nervous system than actual physical abuse. So I think we've all got our own stuff. To what degree have we awakened to it? And to what degree have we healed from it? Is now becomes the question. And that's, to me, the most beautiful message about vertical development. Because vertical development, at the end of the day, I, I explained it as upgrading our internal operating system. But at the end of the day, it really is vertical development is about healing our minds, our bodies, and our hearts from the things that we've been through. Wow. That was deep and incredibly insightful and very much worth hearing. Thank you for well, being very vulnerable and transparent with us, Ryan. We interrupt this podcast recording to bring an urgent message to you from our sponsor. It has come to the attention of this podcast host that the simple execution of a smile can seriously impact one's attitude and how they show up for those around them. Whatever you're doing right now as you listen, pause and smile. Do it. A little bit bigger. One more time. Smile. What causes you to smile? It's amazing how smiles are contagious. Who might you be able to offer a smile to today? Try out this thing called a smile. It'll work wonders for those around you. Pause and smile. Today's sponsor, the Eternal Optimist Podcast. Now back to the show. For one, I made the note vertical to upgrade our own internal operating system. And now adding to that, we have some type of healing to do, even when 
uh, I'm sitting here thinking that I think I did okay as growing up with my parents and in the environment. And what you're causing me to realize, and I'm grateful for that, is that there might be something there that I've been neglecting, or I might have had a prevention mindset around my own mindset in this case. And here I am thinking I'm in learner mindset and in promotion mindset, but there's an opportunity here to go back a little bit deeper. A lot of things are being stimulated right now. So thank you for taking us on this journey. Now, if I could analyze from a scientific perspective, all of this began with the heat experience when you were fired. And when you were fired in that moment, you started to think about how I'm going to take care of the family. And that led you because you were more malleable in that time it led you to try out something. And that something has continued to build and build and build and build to where you are now. Did I draw a broad stroke? Was that fairly representative? Yeah, and let me give you a framework around this. So the concepts around vertical development, vertical development is actually a fairly new term. It was essentially invented about 10 years ago, the term. But research behind vertical development has been around for over 50 years. And it comes from the field of developmental psychology. So developmental psychology has been around since the 1880s. And from the 1880s until the 1960s, the primary thing that developmental psychologists studied was children and their development. And what they've learned is that as children go from infancy to adulthood, they develop through a number of different stages and they do so rather automatically. And they just assumed that just as we stop growing physically in terms of our height when we reach adulthood, that we also, our minds actually stopped developing. And so in the 1960s, some developmental psychologists started to ask the question, can adults develop? And if so, do they go through different developmental stages? And what they found is that yes, adults can develop and there are different developmental stages. In fact, there's three primary stages, but what they also found is that most adults actually don't vertically develop. And and so what they've realized is that development as a child is largely a function of age. Development as an adult is no longer a function of age and now becomes a function of effort. In fact, what they found is that of these three stages, 64% of all adults operate in that bottom level. They never vertically develop beyond the level they step into adulthood with. 35% of adults get up to that second level, and only 1% get up to the top level. Let me just define these levels for us really quick. So that first level is what I like to call good soldier mode. When we're there, our body's internal operating system is programmed for safety, comfort, and belonging. You saw that with my prevention mindset. I wanted to be safe. I wanted to be comfortable, right? And that prevention mindset kept me in that space. The second level is what I would call progress maker. And when we're here, our internal operating system shifts its needs that it becomes focused on. And it's a very significant shift. When when we shift to becoming a progress maker, our body is programmed to stand out, advance, and get ahead. And this is dramatically different than the prior level because we actually get to the point where we're willing to be unsafe, uncomfortable, and not belong in order to stand out, advance, and get ahead. So that was the shift that I made after my Gallup experience, as I went from being a a good soldier to being a progress maker. That led me to write my book. That led me to start my business. Then the next level is what I would call value creator. 
And again, our internal operating systems needs shift. At this level, our needs are to contribute, add value, and lift others. And there's, a, there's an interesting distinction here, right? Because when we operate at that first level, really we're wired to stand in. When we're at that second level, we're wired to stand out. In either case, the focus is on us. I want to stand in or I want to stand out. It's not until we get to that third level, again, only 1% of people get here, that we actually shift to become, it's not about me, it's about something bigger than myself, contributing, adding value, and lifting others. And in terms of my vertical development journey, I'm not sure I fully am in that third level, but engaging in the trauma therapy is what I believe has helped me make a significant shift from moving away from that progress maker and much closer to that value creator space. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so hopefully that framework helps map at least my journey out, which no nobody's journey is going to be the same, but I hope it's a journey that people can see. Oh yeah, there, there are those stepping stones and there are dramatic shifts. This is where we talk about reinvention. Every step is a reinvention. Let me give you an example, another example. So I met with the COO of an organization the other day, and I asked her, how does your organization measure success? And she said, double-digit growth year over year. And inwardly, I'm like, I were like, okay. But inwardly, I'm like, no, because <laughs> this is, that has got progress maker written all over it. It's all about results. It's about outcomes. And this is a company that you're somebody who has children, so you'll appreciate. This company does essentially works with hospitals on the medical paperwork. And they literally touch over a billion customers every year. And they are in a position to change the medical landscape as we know it. And so when I ask her, how do you measure success? And she says, double digit growth year over year. I'm like, no, like, why don't you judge success by the degree to which you are transforming the medical industry that you're literally saving lives or at least saving a significant amount of time so that I don't have to feel as much paperwork every time I go to the dang doctor's office. So that's an example of a mind 2.0 leader and how she's missing out by not operating at that mind 3.0 level or that, that third level. Absolutely. I love the example. Gone from level one to level two. So he's made that shift. And now if level three is a possible goal, if that's a goal or a dream, if that's the place that you as coach, as transformational coach and mindset coach, if that's where you are helping her to get to, to arrive at, then how are you taking someone who's in level two through to level three? Help us with that because I'm in, in the same boat in my coaching practice and I've heard similar stories and I'm curious if you could shed some light on that for us because it's fascinating that next step in getting there. Bringing back some of the concepts we talked about is we've got to create a heat experience and we've got to create awareness, right? And that's, so that's what I try to do. And that's where I think having frameworks can really help and having assessments can help. So I told you I've got a mindset assessment I've also got a vertical development assessment. And so when I work with groups or teams or people, I have them take this assessment. 
they compared their results to everybody else who's taken it. In the case of my mindset assessment, that's over 30,000 people. And so they're able to get rather objective data on the quality of their mindsets. It creates the opportunity for a heat experience. It creates the opportunity for them to be a little bit more malleable than what they were previously. You saw that when I told you the story about the lady who emailed me saying, your mindset assessment's a bunch of crap. And then later she comes back, oh, I think I wanna be a part of this. The assessment allowed for that opening to occur. And so that's the first thing that I try to create is create that opening, get my foot in the door for them to even imagine that they can reinvent themselves. Mm, I love it. How might we be able to take the assessment? If someone's hearing this right now and is inspired like I am, how do we get an assessment or engage in that, Ryan? Yeah, so go to my website, ryangopperton.com. Right at the top, you'll see assessments. Click on it and you've got two options, the vertical development and the mindset assessment. It's free you'll get a comprehensive and individualized report that will hopefully foster a deeper level of awareness. One of the things that I find interesting is one of the mindsets is the difference between fixed and growth mindsets. And just imagine if you're in front of an audience of 100 people and you ask them, do you have a growth mindset? Do you think any of them would say no? Probably not. No, not at all. Almost everybody thinks that they have a growth mindset. But research has found that, a, that half of the population has a fixed mindset. And when I work with executive teams, that fixed mindset is the one that they struggle with the most. I've only met one executive team out of maybe the 30 plus that I've worked with that has had more of a growth mindset on the team than a fixed mindset. And what that means and, and how this plays out is that they, with a fixed mindset, they're more focused on avoiding failure and looking good, as opposed to learning and growing. So they're more prone to hold on to what's worked in the past, and they have a hard time letting go of what's worked and embracing something new. And what that sends the signal to me is that they're probably operating at that second level of vertical development. They want results, they want outcomes, they wanna look good, they wanna stand out, they wanna get ahead. That's what I'm finding is in the executives that I work with, that's how that's where their current operating system is at. And that's the norm. Like, and that's what we see around us because there's so few kind of in this framework, level three leaders, these value creators, or we can identify them, right? So for example, I think Satya Nadella and Microsoft is operating in that level. And you compare him to his the prior CEO, Steve Ballmer who seemed to operate at that second level. You look at Alan Mulally when he was at Ford and how he transformed Ford or Ed Catmull and how he transformed Disney animation. I, I've studied, let's see, Indra Nui at PepsiCo, Mary Barra at GM. These are very transfer. Whenever you find people that are operating at that highest level uh, on that vertical development framework, they're creating transformation in the organizations they work with. And then you could look at leaders like Jack Welsh, who was really celebrated at the time that he was CEO. But in hindsight, is he decimated GE, right? Because what he was focused on was the short-term results and outcomes or meeting shareholder expectations on a quarterly basis. 
So he was that second level focused on the results, outcomes. I want to stand out. I want to advance. I want to get ahead. And that led him to make a certain level of decisions that was successful in the short term, but decimated the organization in the long term. He wrote a book called Winning. And I'm just not sure we're going to find a really vertically developed person ever write a book titled Winning. That, that feels very kind of that progress maker level to me. Fair statement. Yes. I'm, I'm loving everything that you're putting down here. And I'm looking over your shoulder and I'm seeing a couple of books up on the shelf. And there's one book in particular, the Keith Cunningham book up there. That, all those books, I have those. And I love everything you have up there. But that one, The Road Less Stupid, I see up there. That's yep. one that I keep really close to me, always in my drawer. Anything by Keith, I keep right here in the drawer. So I'm curious about those particular books. Why did those books make it to your shelf, specifically Cunningham's book? Cunningham's book in particular, the whole concept of his book, The Road Less Stupid, is we have got to carve out thinking time. That the more thinking time we could bring into our lives, the less we will pay what he calls the dumb tax right? Which is just not making the best decisions. And here's what I've learned. And this is why I love the book. And it's an evidence of why I'm not fully in that third level. And I still operate quite a bit at that second level, which is I have a really hard time carving out thinking time. That's evidence of me operating. I've got room to vertically develop because people who operate at that really vertically developed level they do what is best for the long term and they reprioritize their schedule to fit stuff like that in. And it just says to me is I'm a little bit more attached to the short term and maybe getting certain results that I'm not willing to build that into my schedule. Let me give you another example that I see in organizations is oftentimes I'm promoting to executive teams. You've got to focus more on culture. Maybe not surprisingly, I get a lot of resistance. We don't have time for culture. We've got to get results. That's what they say, right? That's, that just says they're operating at that second level. Look at Satya Nadella. He says the CEO, the C in CEO stands for curator of culture. That's his number one priority. And it always is going to be the number one priority of a really vertically developed leader. They think about their organization as a plant. You can't force a plant to grow and a plant to bear fruit but you could cultivate the right conditions under which that occurs. And that's what the best CEOs are focused on, right? And best leaders are focused on is cultivating the right conditions for their people to thrive and to grow. And it's just, we just don't see many examples of that. It's usually, we try to force it. We see the command and control. We see micromanagement. Not that they're hundred percent command and control and micromanagement, but that's the dominant leadership paradigm. One of the things I'm really just loving and appreciating about our discussion right now is that you have very openly started on level one back in the day, chronicled your journey of the awakening through the heat experience. And on your journey to level three, it's without a doubt, you're there or getting there soon, whatever soon might be, because you're so committed to this process of the awakening, you're still in it. And you got to the place where you're talking about creating your own heat experiences. I wonder, with someone who's found this awakening, this awareness, and they aspire to vertically develop to 
that third level leader? Is there an exercise or is there something that they might be able to do now that they are awakened to get to that next place? Something they can proactively follow or do? Yeah, good question. I just don't find that there's many people that are really self-aware on their vertical altitude right? And they're the quality of their mindsets. And so to me, that's the first place to start is gathering that awareness. Where am I at? When we have a framework for these things, we're able to ask the question, where am I at? And where do I need to go? And then it's okay, wherever I'm at, I now see where I need to go. Now we can prescribe specific things to focus on. And so for example, my vertical development assessment, I think is great because it tells what level are you prone to operate from? When I work with groups, I have them take my mindset assessment because in addition to that, because what the mindset assessment does is we're looking at four different mindsets and usually people are really good with one or two of them and they're not so good with one or two of them or two or three of them. And we're through the mindset assessment. Now we could get even more prescriptive of in terms of how do we move forward in terms of my vertical development. So for me, one of the things that I'm aware of is out of the four mindsets that I focus on, the one that I struggle with the most is the difference between an inward mindset and an outward mindset. So an inward mindset is when we have a tendency to see ourselves as more important than others, and that causes us to see others as objects. Whereas when we have an outward mindset, we see others as being just as important as ourselves, and that allows us to see them as people and to value them as such. How this plays out for me is, and the reason why I struggle with this most is because it is rooted in my past trauma that I'm still working through, right? Is I was on my own. I had to be inward. So that's how I became wired. And how this is, how this generally shows up for me, and I'm now aware of it, is oftentimes when I come into a team, unfortunately, how my mind is is prone to think is, Okay, how are you going to help me be successful, right? So I recently, I joined at the beginning of this year, 2022, I joined a mastermind. And I just haven't had a great experience this year with this mastermind. And I've been reflecting on that. And I think, huh, it's because I joined the group saying, how are you all going to help me be successful? As opposed to thinking, how can I help these people be successful? And so that's just evidence that I've got some vertical development to do. And so that's an example for me, that's what I need to focus on. And that's to me also where in in the trauma therapy that I'm engaging in, that's the focus is to helping me shift from an inward mindset to an outward mindset. So is trauma therapy for everybody? I think everybody could benefit from it for sure, but you might need a different approach than focusing on the inward and outward, maybe. So for example, my wife has started to engage with the trauma therapist. And one of the things that she's realized coming out of her childhood is she had a narcissistic mom, her parents were divorced. Like the way that her mom raised my wife was, you are my princess and it's your job to make me happy. As opposed to the mom being, it's my job to help you to thrive. And so my wife grew up being a people pleaser. That's how she's been prone to be wired. She has a harder time creating healthy boundaries because she always wants to please everybody. So she's one of the nicest people that you'll meet, but that's a great benefit because of her upbringing. But there are some dark sides to that. And she's now figuring out how to 
navigate that and set healthier boundaries and so that she could be the better version of herself. Ryan, I, uh, I pause and just appreciate you for going so deep. And the listeners in our audience, these people go deep. And to hear you be very transparent and share it all, I just want to appreciate you for that because that took some courage. So thank you for that for one. And this is why we have this show, to see someone as successful as you who is still working on their game, who's still developing and evolving. And by the way, as evolving as you are and much farther ahead in the game than many or most, you're still open enough and brave enough to admit you're still working on the game. So I love it and just appreciate everything. I'd love to go and talk about your books a little bit here. I see there's a couple of them on the shelf here. You just had one come out. Can you share a little bit about your most recent book that just came out, Ryan? Yeah, we've effectively talked about it this whole time, which is great. The new book is called The Elevated Leader, Level Up Your Leadership Through Vertical Development. There, There are other vertical development books out there, but I have not found one that is very approachable. And I feel like The Elevated Leader has to be the most approachable book on the topic, given what I've read. And in the first half of the book is just explaining what vertical development is, why it's so important, and what are the three different levels, which we walk through. And then the whole second half of the book is, okay, how do I then go about vertically developing? And we dive into a focus on mindsets. We dive into a focus on healing our body's nervous system. And ultimately, I feel like the book ends with two two takeaways. One is ultimately, if we want to vertically develop, we've got to heal ourselves. And then two, the, the notion of the best leaders, the most positive influences out there are people who are gardener-minded leaders, the people who are, have vertically developed to the space where they are focused on creating the right environment for the people around them to thrive. Awesome. Awesome. Where do we go to get this book? What's the website or just Amazon or, or help us help us get it? Yeah. Any major retailers, you could go to my website, ryangoffertson.com. Find it there, surely. I will note that there is, there's a unique tool that comes with the book that this book is the only book that has this tool attached to it. And it's got what I'm labeling it as the Digital Vertical Development Coach. So I've partnered with an organization called QStream, which develops micro-learning tools to help people retain the information that they read or that they cover in a workshop. So when people get the book, they get free access to this digital vertical development coach, which will help them, one, retain the information covered in the book, but then two, actually facilitate the exercising and strengthening of our positive mindset neural connection. So it's actually designed to help us to literally vertically develop. So that's a free tool with the book. And if people, as the book has been out a month, as people are, I'm getting feedback about every day from somebody saying, I love the book, I love the tool or both. So it's pretty Awesome. Cool. The Elevated Leader. I will go and get one from Amazon instantaneously as soon as we conclude this. I appreciate you sharing it all throughout to our listeners. Let's say the next 10 people that reach out to me that want this book, just reach out. I'll get it for you. I've I've heard a lot of different things on working on your game and your mindset. And this is very fascinating to me. I love it. So please go check this book out, connect with Ryan. Ryan, is there anything else, any other way they can connect with you or anything else you'd like to share about how we might connect with you? Other than the website, the next best place is probably LinkedIn. Would love to connect with anybody there. And if anybody wants to explore 
doing not only just having the assessment for themselves, but for the groups that you work with. That's what I do. Essentially, that's most of the work that I do is helping groups, teams, executive teams awaken and use these tools to help them to do so. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you for sharing everything today. I feel like the time or from where I'm sitting just passed very quickly. And I can't believe it's already been an hour. I do need to shut it off. It's just been such a pleasure. So thank you, Ryan, for investing time with our community today. Much appreciated, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for creating this space. That really means a lot. And I think we were able to cover some topics that aren't easy, but also it provides the opportunity to normalize things like trauma and healing and how it could be a game changer for us. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.